We are in Luke chapter 2 this morning. As Sheila said, we are at page 832 in your Bibles in the pews. Today I'm talking about the in-between time. Not just the in-between time that exists between Christmas and a new year, but saying goodbye to one thing, but not quite reaching the other as of yet. And that is true of a lot of us in our lives. And so we're going to go to Luke chapter 2, and we're actually going to begin in verse 22. I'm only going to read uh, the first few verses, and then we're going to look at a few more of them this morning. But Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 22, page 832, or excuse me, 832 in your Bibles in the pews. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you've promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for mine eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all of nations, a light for revelation of the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Let's pray. God, we pray now, as always, that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight, our strength, and our Redeemer. In Christ's name we ask it. Amen. There's always an in-between time when I think about one of the in-between times, and that was when we found out we were having our firstborn child, who happens to be here this morning, and there was that time when you know you're going to have the child, and then everything starts. You know, uh, eating changes, and what you're drinking changes, and, and, and vitamins change, and and, and all of a sudden you're making all these preparations and you're getting strollers and you're getting you know bassinets and you're getting beds and you're all of the stuff that happened you're making all of this preparation now the, the one I just want to say as a side note and this is going to be on camera I am thankful that women that you women especially you who have born children I am thankful for that and I will tell you why because now you understand how us men feel when we are sick just a joke. It's just a joke to make sure you're alert. At any rate, you know how the how the, the prep time starts and, and it seems like you know maybe for maybe for the women it's a little bit different but it's like it's like other things you're anticipating you're anticipating you're anticipating we even I remember had a false alarm and wound up at the hospital with one of the children thinking that that it was time and it wasn't and then you're like oh it's that sort of in-between time when you know something's going to happen, but it hasn't happened yet. It's, it, it's, kind of like it, it's kind of like you know that you have a dream over here, but you want to fulfill it over here, but there's that sticky in-between time that takes place. In-between times, though, aren't always fun. In fact, the in-between time, depending on what you're facing, can be difficult at best. See, there's an in-between time that occurs when maybe you've been to the doctor and you're waiting on the diagnosis. And in between, you can't sleep. You feel like you can't breathe. 
You can't move. You can't do anything. There's that in-between time when maybe you've lost one job and you're, you're waiting to hear if you're going to get the other. And in-between you're wondering, how are we going to make it financially? How am I going to, what's, going to, what's the next job going to look like? Am I going to make as much money as I was making before? And what's my boss going to be like? And on and on it goes. So there's that in-between time there. There's that in-between time when I remember when, when I was in, back in high school, which is a long time ago now, but when I, I remember that when I became a freshman, I was like, oh my gosh, four years is just going to be so slow. How am I, a graduation is never going to come. And now, at my age, I'm looking back going, wow, that was fast. But that in-between time of starting here and graduation, sometimes it seemed like the process was just so slow. Especially when I didn't make the best grades, it got slower. <laughs> There's the in-between time. The in-between time can be a lot of things to us. I don't know what kind of in-between time you're facing, but there's a couple of things that, that happens. The in-between time can sometimes, depending on what we're going through, can seem absolutely unending. You, you think to yourself, when is this going to end? Like, let's hurry this process up. Because you're in the in-between. You want to get from here to here. And I know it happens with all of us when we're young. I was the, I'm still not totally patient, but I'm getting patient as I get older a little bit. But boy, when we're young, we like, we want to, okay, I'm going to get out, I'm going to do this, and then everything changes. You look back, I look back at my life now, and I go, man, how impatient I was. But sometimes that in-between time seems just so unending. Like, when is this going to stop? When am I going to finally get there? Also, it seems unstable. Some, some rough terrain sometimes. You ever notice how, how you kind of start here and then, and then it, it keeps going? And it, it, it seems like you go from bad to worse. You know, it's like, it's like everything seemed to be bad enough down here and you're like, okay, good, there's going to be light at the end of the tunnel. And then you find that it's that Murphy's Law thing, that the light at the end of the tunnel, it seems like the headlamp of an oncoming train. You're like, oh, and the instability of things constantly changing around you in the middle of the diagnosis, in the middle of the job, in the middle of whatever it is that you're facing, it's so unstable and you get destabilized because of it. And sometimes it can just seem like it's totally unbearable. Like I, I just can't take any more of the waiting. Sometimes you feel like you're waiting in the darkness and you're just sitting. And you wonder, when is the dream going to happen? When is the, when, is, when is the end of this going to take place? When am I finally going to get, when I started out here, when am I finally going to get over here? And whether it's good or bad, you want the end to come. But you know, when you think about it, and I've thought about this a lot, it seems like life in and of itself is an in-between time. You've heard the, the story of the dash, which I'm not going to quote for you, but if you, they tell you that the dash is what's in between. The date of your birth and the date of your death. That's the in-between is what matters. The in-between is where the story is shaped. The in-between time is really when God's really working. But trying to get through it, ugh, it's hard. Well, that's what I think is so cool about the story that we're looking at this morning. We're looking at after Jesus was born. I read part of it, so let me give you a little bit of a background, and then we'll come back to this theme and really see what do we do. 
It's interesting because Jesus, of course, was born into a Jewish family. They practiced Judaism, the Judaism of that day, much of, of what they had learned from the rabbis in between. I want you to remember that no, there had been, no prophet of God had spoken. There had been 400 silent years before Jesus was born where a prophet from God had not spoken. And, and during that time, the Talmud was completed. And that's where you'll often hear somebody talk about Talmudic Judaism. They would go to the Talmud. Often when the Pharisees would come to Jesus and would say, it's been said a man should do this, but somebody else has said this, what do you say? And they were referring to Talmudic Judaism and to what some of the rabbis had, had come up with as far as the interpretation of the law. So they were following the law as they understood it. And so there was the eighth day Jesus had to be circumcised and most likely that happened in Bethlehem. Then it was about a 30 plus day period where Mary was considered impure according to Jewish law. So they had to go for this ceremonial purification that required them to go to the temple and they had to bring a sacrifice. And that's where we sort of picked up that story. So they, they wind up, and let me go back just to read part of it again. So they, back to verse 25. Now, now they're here, they're coming to the temple. It says, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. Now this guy Simeon, by the way, we don't know what he was. We know he was a prophet. He could have been uh, somebody that was an official in the temple. And nobody really knows how old he was. I was going to say he was old, like 80, but 80 is not old. So don't anybody, you know. Uh, there, was some, there was some things that he could have been way over 100. But he was, he was up there in age. He was considered whatever a, a senior uh, saint. Notice I didn't say senior. See, whatever a senior would be considered, uh, that's what he was. He was an older gentleman. Now, if you look at this, notice what it says. There's a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. Now Luke, Luke starts to refer to him and he says, This guy, listen to this, this guy was righteous and devout. This means that if they called for him to go to the temple every day, he was in the temple every day. It, was, it, was, it wasn't just wrote. He was devoted to God. He was considered to be a righteous man. When some, somebody said, hey, you guys know Simeon? It wasn't like, oh, that's the old guy muttering around the temple that's bumbling to himself and nobody... You know. No, no, he's a righteous guy. And he's there every day. He's there doing his prayers. He's there talking to people. He's there looking... He's there doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's a prophet, stand-up guy, righteous, just, devout guy. That's, if they were to put that on his, on his tombstone, it would say Simeon, righteous and devout. And so here he is, and notice what it says. I, I love this. Verse 25, in part. He was waiting for the what? The consolation of Israel. And notice this, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Waiting. Now, consolation, another term for that is the comfort, the redemption, the final, the final thing for Israel. And on top of it, it says the Holy Spirit was upon him. In the Old Testament, especially in Old Testament times, the Holy Spirit would come and would go on people, and you'll see that happening. Now, notice what it says. The Holy Spirit's upon him. Verse 28, it had been revealed to him by another prophet, by another person, by another guy, by some... No, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Now, watch this. That he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Let's just stop there for a minute. He gets word, and God says to him, and he knows it's God speaking. He says, Simeon, I know you're an old guy. I'm taking a little literary license here. I know you're an old guy, 
And I know that you think that any day you could breathe your last. And I know that you really believe that you're at the end of your life and that all this may be finished, but you've been righteous and you've been devout. And Simeon, I'm telling you that you are not going to die until you have seen the Messiah himself. And Simeon hung on to that. And it said he was there, what? Waiting. Waiting. How many of you love to wait? I hate to wait. I would go into the doctor's office with the kids and I was like, you got 30 minutes of Donovan. And, and they, they, they do that with the doctor sometimes. They look and they go, you're going to leave? Yeah, I'm leaving. Because uh, my appointment was now. Because none of us like to wait. I don't like to wait in lines. None of us like to wait for anything. And I think, I think my generation was found it difficult. But now, with communication being so instantaneous, nobody likes to wait. This guy had been going to the temple waiting every day for the consolation of Israel. And God said to him, you're going to see all of this and you're going to see the Messiah. Promise you. How many times, though, had this happened to Israel? How many times had, had they been told, you're going to see this and you're going to... Moses, remember Moses? I go back and I think about Moses. Moses was 80 years old, 80 years old, when God said to him, take your shoes off your feet, the place whereon you're standing is holy ground, I'm, you're going to lead my people Israel out. He doesn't see the promised land until he's 120 and dies. They had wandered. You think, you think about all of that. He finally saw it, but he wasn't allowed to enter it. But that is a long, long time. 80 years, now it seems like a blur, but that's, when we look at 80, 80 years, how do you wait 80 years for something? But God told him, you're going to see it. Verse 27. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. Notice that. They're coming in. They're devout. They're going to do what the custom of the law required. Even though he is the what? The Messiah. Even though he's the one that, you know, if I would have been, of course, I, I wouldn't have been able to talk, but I'd be thinking, I wrote the law. You know? He comes in. They're going to fulfill the law. And then it, notice what happens. Simeon took him in his arms and the first thing he did after he touched Jesus he takes him in his arms and he prays God and he sang no he didn't he said sovereign Lord here it is as you have promised you may now dismiss your servant in peace you know what that says have you ever have you ever had something you were looking forward to and you go i've i've now seen the empire state building i can die a happy man or a happy woman i've now had bob's mother's rum pie and i can die as a happy man you know i can you know i've done this right and i can i can die as a happy person and he basically says look this is it, Lord. Sovereign Lord, this is it. I've held him. You fulfilled your promise. You can dismiss me. I'm now, I was over here 80 plus years ago, maybe more, and I've looked for this, and I've looked for this, and I've looked for this, and now I'm here. And so my purpose has finally been fulfilled. And he says, he says you can now dismiss your servant because I'm at peace. Which means during the waiting, 
He was constantly on alert. He was constantly looking. Could this, every child that came in, could this be the one? Do you imagine that? Is this the one? Is this the one? Is that the one? Maybe this is what, up here comes another one. Every time. Every time. And he says, now I can be at peace. Why? Because my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared, notice this, in the sight of the Jewish nation. Nope. In the sight of all nations. Notice what he says, a light of revelation for the who? The Gentiles. Now notice, he's in the temple courts. So he says, look, this is the Messiah, but guess what? He's not just here for our people, he's here for all people, and he says, in the glory of your people, Israel. Now, here's where we, we, left, we left off there. Now notice what happens next, and I, I love this. The child's what? Father and mother marveled at what was said about him. This is really the first time that we see after the birth of Jesus any reference to Joseph marveling about anything. Because remember, mostly in Luke 2, you see Mary, when Mary came, they came, the shepherds came in, and it would say Mary kept all these things and pondered them, marveled at them in her heart. And it says both of them are now marveled at what this righteous and devout messenger of God has now held the baby and has said about him. They must have known who he was, because you don't just pass your baby off and say, oh here, yes, you can hold him. You know, some psycho person grabs your kid. They're not, I mean, they had him there too. Does it, they knew who he was. And so, so it says what was revealed about And then it, no, notice what happens. So you think, oh, this, what, a, what a grand time. This is great. The Messiah is born. This is it. There's not going to be, listen, there's no more problems because Jesus is here. Right? Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child... Listen to this. Is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel. What? He's destined to do what? The falling and the rising of many in Israel. And to be a sign that will be spoken against. So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And listen to this. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. Oh, great. I'm so glad we came to temple today. I'm so glad we came. We, I'm so glad we came to present Jesus and do exactly what we're supposed to do. So you can imagine, they're marveling. They're excited. Okay, here's the prophet. The prophet of God, Simeon, the devout, the righteous guy, has now grabbed him and said, yes, this is the... And they're marveling. And then Simeon says, oh yeah, by the way, Mary, let me just, let me just tell you something. This child is going to cause the rising and the falling of many. And you are going to come to a point in your life where your very soul is going to be pierced and hurt. Ouch. Aren't you glad you came to church? Wow. Think about this for a minute. That's exactly what happened with Jesus. Because Simeon had been through the in-between time and he looks at Mary and Joseph and he goes, guess what? It ain't over. It's only started and it's going to be all downhill for a little while and you're going to watch this happen. And for 33 plus years, we don't know how long Joseph was alive, they saw Jesus and then they got to that three-year ministry. And Mary, remember, Mary who birthed him 
in the stable. Mary who had to struggle. Mary who had to be talked about. Mary who people said, oh, she's pregnant. There's no way this is going to be right. Mary who raised him watched his own people betray him and watched him suffer the worst death of the lowest criminal of a public execution naked on a cross. Her son. The promised one. And see then what happened is on that Friday it was over here and it had ended. And then there was an in-between time until that Sunday. And hope was restored. And Jesus was alive. See, the in-between times hurt. And sometimes we think, we shouldn't have in-between times if we know Jesus. Forget it. Jesus had in-between times. Jesus had times where you look at it and you think, wait a minute, he didn't deserve any of that. You're exactly right. But he did it anyway. Because the in-between times is where the story is structured. Those conflicting times is, where, is what actually makes a story because that's really when God is working and you can't even see it to drive you to some type of a purpose. So here's my question this morning. My question for you is what is your in-between time that you're facing right now? It could be a good time and that's good. But most of us have an in-between time where we're facing Maybe it's a relationship struggle. Maybe it is a diagnosis. Maybe it is a job. You can fill in the blank. But you're in an in-between time. And you feel like you're in this sort of neutral zone. Like you're gunning the car but you're not going anywhere. Or you're on the treadmill and you're just exerting a lot of energy. But meanwhile, you're not going anywhere. And you're just, you're in between. You're in between. You're in between. And you feel destabilized. You feel like it's unending. You feel like it's unyielding. You feel like you're never going to make it. And you wonder, what do I do in the in-between time? How do I wander for 40 years in the wilderness and keep, keep seeing the promised land, but I don't seem to be able to get in there? And, and how come it just, I seem to be going around in circles and, and it seems like things are tough and the struggle is hard and I don't know what to do. I'm sure that Simeon felt that way. Day in, day out, devout, righteous, doing what he was supposed to do. And he doesn't see the Messiah. But God has said to him, I'm going to get you through this. You're going to get to the other side of this. I promise you. But in between, Simeon, you're going to be waiting. It's going to seem dark. You're going you're to look at Israel and you're going to say, man, these people are really, really messed up. And they're hopeless and things are falling apart. And then, But I promise you, I promise you, it's going to get better. I promise you, I'm going to fix all of this. I promise you, you're going to see the Messiah. And then, he held him. Then, he saw Jesus. And that's the key. It's the hardest part, but it's the key. And if you've been here for any length of time, you've heard me talk about my favorite story is with Peter walking on the water with Jesus. Remember, Remember, and we have to keep repeating this and keep understanding this, that Peter was out on the water walking 
in the storm. And Jesus didn't calm the storm until they got back in the boat. What he says is, is Peter, walk and watch me. Keep walking and watch me. Keep stepping, one foot in front of the other. Keep walking, day in and day out. You may not be sprinting, but just walk. Put one foot in front of the other. Keep doing what you're doing, and whatever you do, watch me. And that was Simeon's key. Simeon kept his eye on the promise of the Messiah. And he kept walking. Through the difficult times. Through the darkness. Through the pain. Through the times that were unyielding. Through the times that seemed unending. Through the times when he wondered, was he going to make it? And then he held Jesus. And if there is a, a message to any of us today, it's watch and walk. And sometimes it may be baby step. You're not going to be able to be, be running through. Sometimes it's, you're, it's good, the fog is going to be so thick that you can barely see in front of your face. But he's going to be closer than the fog. He says, just watch me. Simeon watched the promise. And then he held him. And he said, that's it, I'm done. I've seen it. I don't know where your dream was at. But you're somewhere in between the dream and the destination. God says, watch me and keep walking. Let's pray.